Hey everyone, welcome to Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics. And once again, we're talking about comics. I know past couple episodes have been a lot heavy on and movies and TV shows, but we're back to talking about comics. Anyway, I am Josh Stone, and with me... Angel, how you doing? Angel's back, and yes. we are here to finish our discussion on X-Men Age of Apocalypse... Before we get to that, Angel, how's it been? It's been a while since you and I, I know, thanks to the magic of podcast technology, it's one right after the other for the folks listening at home, but for those, for those who don't understand how technology works, there's been a long gap, actually, between when we started this conversation and when we're finishing it. Yeah. So, Angel, what what how's it been going? It has been going. I had a, uh, a what? A four-week-old, five-week-old last time I talked to you. Mm-hmm. Now I got a seven-week-old. Now we got a seven-week-old. Yeah. He's coming oh, along. He is. He is. And for um, for those listening at home, uh, we are recording this on Sunday, June 12th. Yes. Which means, and we're in Florida. Not like that matters to anyone else. But we are recording this on the day of the unfortunate Orlando massacre. So if we seem a little somber... Is because we've been inundated with the terrible news. So just real quick, by the time this goes up, I'm sure the media will have all moved on because that's how these things work. But our our thoughts and, and hopes and, and everything are with the victims and the families of, of this. It's been really just words cannot express how, how sad this is. So... If you are listening in the Orlando area or know anyone affected by this, uh, I am just truly, truly sorry. Well, Gary, you and I both went to school with people who have since moved to Orlando. I know. We know a lot of friends. We have a lot of friends in the Orlando area. We, as, you know, Orlando, anyone, pretty much anyone in the state of Florida, Orlando is an easy place to get to. Um, so we've been many times. Orlando is a wonderful city. The Orlando proper, not just the theme park adjacent yeah. part of Orlando, but Orlando itself is a wonderful city, and it's just an absolute tragedy. And for all the people who want to make jokes about Florida and how Florida is just the wild, wild west, please save it. I've seen your, I've seen your tweets. Just, just save it. Now well, is now that... is not the time for your bullshit. No. This is a tragedy. Um, so anyway, we are here to talk about comic books. Yeah. We are here to talk about the Age of Apocalypse. So last time we left off with the X-Men pretty much up against the wall. Yeah. They were outnumbered, outgunned, and outmanned because Apocalypse just has so many minions. All the powerful mutants seem to be on the the wrong side of of the <laughs> of this war here, but we left it with kind of a little bit of hope. Scott Summers, who was for a recap, who was actually a bad guy in this alternate universe, he was starting to come around. It seemed like you know he was going to start leading and a revolution from inside. Nightcrawler was out there trying to find reinforcement. Uh, Gambit and his his friends had taken off to where did they go again? Outer space. Yeah, yeah. They they ended up like an outer space slash like another dimension. Yeah. So they were out there trying to find a crystal or some kind I've of read, powerful. What? I've read since then the crystal that they are seeking is supposedly one of the infinity gems. Oh, interesting. So they were find, trying to find one of the Infinity gem, Gems that they thought would help restore... Balance to the Force. Balance to the Force, indeed. <laughs> and basically, they the only real hope that any of them had was a mysterious man named Bishop had come back or had, had just appeared claiming that things were wrong, that this universe wasn't right. And he had given them enough evidence to support that claim that people like Magneto and I think even Quicksilver at the time were starting to think maybe there's something to this. 
Maybe we we into his head. Yeah, that's Rogue was able to see into his mind by touching him and absorbing his powers and his memories. So she could see that there was some truth to what he was saying, and they realized this was the hopeful aspect of it. They realized that oh, we can stop the Age of Apocalypse, but at the same time, we will stop existing. So that is pretty much where we left off. Another thing I've learned since then is the artist whose name I could not pronounce for the life of me last time, who we just kept calling Joey Mads. (laughs) I looked it up. It's Joe Matarera. Okay. That is how he pronounces it. He is still doing comics, by the way. I just happened to see some, I think, I don't know if it was Comic Book Resources or comicbook.com or one of the many comic book news sites out there. Somebody posted a variant cover of one of the DC Rebirth things he's doing. Uh-huh. So he's still out there. He's at least doing cover art. So good for Joey Mads, keeping it, keeping his business going. So I just wanted to get that out there that, yes, I did look up how to pronounce his name. And that is how it is. That okay. makes sense. See? We're a professional place here. So. <laughs> okay. So this time we're finishing up Age of Apocalypse. So, who wants to take it? Uh, last time you had much better notes than I did, and I'm going to imagine you probably still do. <laughs> I started taking notes, and then I was like, uh, I just need to, to tear through this, and I'll go from there. So, do you want to kind of give us a recap of where we're at now, and then we can kind of talk about some highlights and lowlights? There were a few lowlights. There were quite <laughs> a few lowlights. Um, so... You kind of caught us up to where we are now. Yeah. So do you want? So do you want to take us from there? Sure. Okay. Um, okay. So the X Men are now trying to well the the different facets of the X Men because there's X Men and then there's Gambit's externals and then there's the storyline with X Man who is Nate, who we find out in this uh, second half of the series is. Um, the child uh, of Jean Grey and Scott, and he was like a genetically modified, though, right? Genetically, well, he was made in he a was, laboratory. Yeah, he was created by Mister Sinister. Yeah, because um, even genetics. even in this alternate universe, Sinister is still obsessed with Scott Summers and Jean Grey's babies. Genes. Yep. Um, and it's one of those things that it's. You kind of stop coming. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you looked at his abilities at all, you kind of saw that coming. Um, his though was the least favorite of the series for me. I don't know about you, Josh, but for me, yes, absolutely. A lot yes. of the issues that had to do with him were very throwaway. I could have just dealt with him popping into the issues that he popped into when he did. I will wholeheartedly agree. This he was th- his run was followed closely by the two part X universe series. Yeah, those were very bad, in my opinion. Those uh-huh. were hard to read, at least I will say. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, so we find out that Nate is the uh, laboratory made son of Jean Grey and Scott. Um. We kind of lose Wolverine for a while, who is being called... uh, Just Logan? Logan, yeah, at that point. Weapon X, too, they call him. His code name is just Weapon X. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to even think. So much happened all in, like, four four issues. Yeah, so basically the first couple issues is where I started writing notes, because that's kind of where, like, a lot of... A lot of the big stuff happens right away. Yeah. And then it kind of like trails off a little bit through the series. Scott the different... is found out as a spy or a, a... Yes. Yeah, Havoc um, exposes Scott's um, treachery, if you will, his traitorous ways. Traitor. There's my word. I'm sorry. My brain is mush. It's okay. The word. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we understand. So basically, here, here are the highlights from Astonishing X-Men... Factor X, Amazing X-Men, and Excalibur, which besides, there are a couple other books in in the Age of Apocalypse series, but those tend to be the big ones that move the story. 
yeah. the other two would be Weapon X and Gambit's books. But Gambit's book was a little convoluted and a lot of convoluted. Yeah, so I didn't take great notes on that because I kind of got lost. Anyway, so basically, what happens is early on in the second half of the story arc, Creed Sabretooth gets captured by Holocaust. Yeah. Um, Blink wants to save Creed. Uh, or Blink was saved by Creed and Logan. We learned that early on, but we kind of see a flashlight that that that's why she's part of the X Men because of Creed. Magneto and Bishop are, you know, having a lot of training and talking and trying to figure out what to do. And as they're doing that, um, their base, the X-Men's base comes under attack. Then in factor X, which basically takes place a lot in, um, apocalypse's headquarters, Alex turns on Scott and gets everyone else to turn on him too. Cause they, he expose him as being a traitor. Um, so then Scott and Jean are held captive by Beast, and he's going to torture them, but then they escape together. In Amazing X-Men, Magneto and Bishop get kidnapped by Apocalypse. Apocalypse attacks the base along with, um, along with Holocaust, I believe, is there too. Yeah. Or one of, one of his hench- one of his horsemen, I forget which one, but... We'll go with Hol- it tends to be Holocaust and Apocalypse doing most of the stuff. Or Abyss. And um, Nanny runs off. With, yeah, the, no. the robo-nanny runs off with uh, Magneto's baby. Magneto and Rogue's baby. So uh, Magneto and Bishop get kidnapped and brought back to Apocalypse's lair. And Nightcrawler finally um, meets up with his mom. They make it to the sanctuary place. Avalon, right? Yes, Avalon to get the Destiny. Yes, so they go there to get Destiny. Um, The only notes I really have from there is um, at one point in this particular book in Excalibur number three, Nightcrawler is talking to Mystique about why she won't actually ever step foot on Avalon. And she's like, basically get ready to say it's because I don't feel like I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. And Nightcrawler just slaps his mom. Yes. It's like it's true what they say about you, and like she's basically telling you like she doesn't think she's good enough. And you just slapped her for no reason. <laughs> like that was kind of hardcore. Um, to be fair, she's been stealing from the people. No, yeah, but she's also been bringing them to safety. This is true. This she, is- she's getting a, she's providing she's a service, <laughs> and she's getting paid. She's a coyote. Yeah, and um. So we finally find out for real that Wade, we get more of Dead Man Wade, a.k.a. Deadpool. Okay. He then dies. Yeah. Um, and Juggernaut, I, I just realized that the one person like taking like taking them to Avalon was Juggernaut. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I missed that in the couple first couple books. But then he has an aneurysm and dies. Yeah. There's a weird scene where they're like, we need you to help us. And he's like, I don't want to fight. I'm tired of violence. And then, like, he just remembers his brother. Yes. And has an aneurysm and falls down. And his last words are, Charles. And then he dies. I'm like, wow, that was strange. Very strange. So that's kind of, like, what happens. Like, that pushes the story forward. So what we're missing in that is the humans are mounting an an assault to try to take the fight to Apocalypse to stop, you know, to stop them being wiped off the planet. And that's who Logan is kind of working with. They eventually decide, you know, to release atomic weapons. Because that's always the answer. Because that's a great way to <laughs> to make sure things end Don't actually. Um, and then somewhere, Gambit... At some point, Gambit and his team get transported to another... They leave the Shi'ar Empire. Yeah. Through some magic door. End up in a weird dimensional area. Learn about the crystal. And then the next thing I recall is they're running through Morlock tunnels. Trying to save Magneto and Rogue's baby. And I don't... I literally don't know how they got there. I don't know either, and I was going to ask you about that. That's one of the notes I have written down, is how did they get there? Okay. Uh, with, like, eight exclamation points and question marks. 
because I have no idea. And okay. I was wondering if I missed the book. But Okay, so either this is a shortcoming on our part, that there are two adults who have read many books in their lives who don't know how a plot works, <laughs> or the people who wrote these comics made a huge mistake, or Marvel Unlimited forgot to give us something. They may have forgotten. Um, I don't think they did, based on the fact that it does go from Gambit in the Externals number three to Gambit in the Externals number four. Oh, that's right. So I don't think it's on them. I would say that it was... This series came out in 1995, which for those who were alive back then, or paying attention to comics back then... Oh, Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Um... For those who recall the 90s in comics, um, it was the Dark Age. It was an age of art being the predominant thing. It was mm-hmm. all about drawing big buff men and big busty women, regardless of how... What was that? Tiny waist and big butt. Tiny waist, big everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's very likely that they just didn't care about the story. Because very few comics in the 90s did care about the story. So, yeah. that that's So, basically, somehow Gambit and his team end up in the Morlock Tunnels, which kind of go underneath the X-Mansion, from what I could tell. Yes. But also link up to Apocalypse's home? Apparently. So, okay. Anyway... So they try to save baby Charles, which is not Charles Xavier, but the 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 love child of Rogan and <laughs> Magneto. And so they end up giving it to the one character whose name I always forget. And I should have looked it up before I started talking. Anyway, they're under attack and Gambit has to hand off the baby to one of his team members, thinking that he will take care of the baby. And then everyone pretty much meets up again in a final battle with Apocalypse and his henchmen. So, is there anything you want to say before we discuss the final battle? The gentleman who Gambit gives the child to, his name... Instant fact-checking. I can't remember. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me. Damn it. Oh... No, now my brain's gone again. All right. Anyway, anything else you want to see? He's Lila's bodyguard, but he ends up turning on them. Yes. Which is... Which is in the very final act. And yeah. And barely even mentioned, by the way. Yeah, which was irritating to me. But. Okay, so... The final battle has Nate, Gene, Scott, Magneto, Bishop, Quicksilver... Rogue, who else was really part of Colossus and Ileana. Yes. So basically they all converge on Apocalypse's headquarters. While Apocalypse is torturing Magneto, Nate Summers' X-Man appears. He finally gets there. He's able to get there because uh, Angel decides not, not... not you, but a different angel. Yeah, the, the, the mutant angel, Worthington, yeah. uh, attacks the base. He decides to stop standing on the sideline, and he takes a stand. He attacks the base, and I, from what I think they were trying to do is he takes down a certain part of the security perimeter. Yeah. And so that allows Nate to get into the building. Under the radar. Under the radar without being caught. Gene and Scott are trying to take out another part of Apocalypse's security, which is basically a group of disembodied psychics, a bunch of brains floating around, which was weird and creepy. It vaguely reminded me of um, that movie with Tom Cruise, Minority Report. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, basically they're trying to take out the Minority Report. And so Nate is able to save Magneto. Once he starts attacking um, Apocalypse, first he beats a Holocaust, then he attacks Apocalypse. So then he joins up with the rest of the X-Men, 
other X-Men start kind of coming along. Quicksilver and his team are there and they save Bishop. Um, Colossus and Kitty Pride show up after losing all of the young generation X X-Men. Which was Colossus's fault completely. Which was cool. Yeah, I kind of skipped over some of that particular book. So if yeah. you want to fill in the details on that. It's totally his fault. They were racing through um, trying to get away because they were trying to retreat. And um, he tells them to go ahead. They they were there to save his sister from one of yeah, the pins. And Colossus, we have found his weakness, is Ileana. And he decided to put her life over all the lives of everybody else. And yes. he becomes a bit obsessed about it. Um, a lot of bit obsessed about it. A lot of bit obsessed about Ileana. Um, but yeah, the long and short of it is he basically leaves them to die and doesn't make the effort to go back because he doesn't want to chance Kitty being able to keep Ileana safe, which is ridiculous. Yes. So they all meet up. As they're... Um, Nightcrawler and his team also appear... Not 100% sure how they got there either. Last I saw them, they were still in Avalon. Yes. So all of a sudden they're with the rest of the X-Men. Um, Ta-da! Well, I mean, he is Nightcrawler. Yeah. I guess they don't really have to explain it, do they? Anyway, so they all show up. They have Destiny with them, right? Yes, Destiny's And she's the one who starts telling them, yes, there is this crystal. This crystal is the nexus of all these dimensions. And only Ileana can open the doorway so that we can destroy this reality. Because that is, though she doesn't know her own mutant power in this particular book, that is her mutant power, basically being able to go to other dimensions. And basically whatever they need her to do at any point, magic can do. So after a little bit of convincing, they convince a what appears to be a seven or eight year old girl to do the most dangerous thing in the world. Sacrifice yourself, essentially. Which they keep making it seem like she's the one who has to go into the crystal and basically destroy it is what they kept seeming like they were going to do yeah but then just to jump ahead real quick all she does is she goes into this crystal dimension with bishop and she uses her she taps into her mutant powers to open up a portal within the nexus so that bishop can go back into the real world what was happening in the x-men universe before age of apocalypse yeah and stop legion right it was legion right yeah. Stop Legion from killing Magneto and Charles, which basically caused this whole thing to happen. So he goes there to stop that, but then Ileana just doesn't go and just leaves yeah. the crystal and just comes right back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Colossus decides he can't let Ileana go by herself. He tries to rush to her. Ends up stomping Shadowcat to death. Yep. Um, Gambit was like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen, and then kills him. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of weird. Even though he was full-on metal, Gambit uh, throws some things at him, and he still died. Yeah, I didn't get that. So, I, I don't know where they went with that. They, basically, what happens at the end of this book is they really rush it. Plot holes be damned. Plot of any kind be damned. <laughs> Basically, everyone is fighting. Apocalypse is destroyed. Magneto finally gets the last blow on on Apocalypse and is able to kill him. A few X-Men die in the process, like Shadowcat. Um, Havoc dies. Gene and Scott both die. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to Havoc. I feel like there was another death I'm missing. Anyway, so once did Bishop hmm? did Iceman die? If he did, I didn't. It didn't register. I barely even saw him in the final battle. Okay. 
I see. I saw him try to stop Colossus with a wall of ice, and that was all I saw. Maybe he got crushed too. I want to say Apocalypse, like mushed him during that whole thing. Okay. I don't remember. Apocalypse mushed him. That's fine with me. <laughs> so basically, the long story short, they have a final wrap-up comic called X Men Omega. Yeah. Because it was the nineties and calling using the word omega was real cool um so in that large that's where most of this happens basically all the stories in the different comics they were publishing at the time concluded in x-men omega and basically the final thing was with when bishop goes back he's able to stop legion from doing what he was going to do which then causes time to correct itself and when it does that, the Age of Apocalypse characters start slowly vanishing. And it kind of leaves off with that, with the universe, that universe slowly fading out and us going back into the regular current 1995 X-Men universe. And everyone seems slightly confused as to what was happened, like what just happened. Because basically what did happen was when X-Men Age of Apocalypse was out, they stopped publishing all of the other X-Men comics at the time. And these were the only ones being published. So this was the only X-Men universe at the time. And so when they wrapped it up, they were able to go back into the regular X-Men universe and so there were still some residuals from this alternate reality that was created and people, you know, still had some faint memories or what felt like dreams yeah. about an age of apocalypse. And especially Nate. Especially Nate. Bishop to a smaller extent as well. And yeah, that's how it ends. They yeah. go into a big crystal. They go into one MacGuffin. <laughs> and MacGuffin the whole thing. <laughs> um, overall, the first half, in my opinion, was significantly better than the second half. Significantly better. The, the second half felt very rushed. Very, like, poorly planned. Super disconnected. Very disconnected. Um, it, it was just, it was very hard to follow. Yeah. And as we were saying before we started recording, it's, it's hard to remember or in your case, understand yeah. why this was seen as a good story at any point in time. Um, your husband, Chris and I read this when it came out, not together, but separately, <laughs> um, <laughs> And we were like, we both recall this book fondly. You had never read this book before. I had never read. I had read a couple of the individual issues and mm -hmm. understandably been very confused as to what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of put it on the back burner. And I know I read the Omega issue, mm -hmm. not realizing it was the culmination of this whole giant thing. Um probably about 10 years ago. Yeah. And then everybody's been reading it lately at the store, so. Yeah. So yeah. what have been what have been some of their opinions then if if you know? Um that it was a very 90s book. Mhm. Mm that it focuses again heavily on the art and especially back then the covers. Oh, um, this this series is just all about the covers. All about the covers. Um and that, yes, some of the plot got lost along the way. But a lot of the people I've been to, I have talked to about the book, is, or the, the series, mm -hmm. all tend to be, for lack of a better term, a fanboy. Okay. Uh, and think that Marvel can do no wrong. And don't get me wrong, I love Marvel probably more than the next person. I can see their flaws, though, <laughs> and readily admit them. Yeah, and, and 
It should be no surprise that I am also a huge Marvel fan. I've mentioned several times on the podcast, just in this episode alone. I have a subscription to the Marvel Universe or Marvel Unlimited app, which basically means I give Marvel money every month. Well, actually, I I got a deal, so I did mine on a yearly one. Mm-hmm. But basically, I've given Marvel a significant chunk of money to have access to all of their comics, including this gem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, as we said last episode, or as I said last episode, I rec- I thought this was like the bee's knees back in the day. And a lot of it had to do with character design. And the action figures that came out, because I was of the age where action figures were still pretty cool. Yeah. I was like... Still kind of playing with them, but mostly just in, like, a... I want to, like, pose them in, like, they were cool kind of way. See, and Chris did not realize there were action figures. Chris, yeah, Chris is a couple years podcast. older than me. After the podcast last time, though, he was all up on Amazon trying to find those figures. Oh, get them, bro. If I, if I ever... I talk a big talk about going to my mom's attic and finding all my old stuff. If I ever do that, I will find a bunch of these. Oh, you should. And then... Because Creed and Wild Child are two of Chris's favorite characters in general. Oh, wow. If I find them, I'll, I'll send them along. Because I, yeah. had, I had a Creed and Wild Child figure. And Creed and Wild Child were highlight for me in this book. Oh, they were good. They were, they were pretty good characters. I'd say... Okay, so we went through the plot. We went through some of the, the, the issues of the 90s. Yeah. So before we... Let's start low and then go high. Let's end on a high note. So let's start low. What were some of the worst aspects of this particular thing, this particular series for you? I know we touched on a few already, but outside of just random plot holes, what were some of the things that didn't work for you? For me, some of the some of the storylines that didn't work for me were, and again, I'm going to sound like an awful person. That's fine. The human storylines, like the the people that were di- in the mine. Mm-hmm. Superman and all the weird like, like with um, are you talking about like the Weapon X storyline basically yeah so when he was like with Car- their version of Carol De- Devers yeah. And, yeah I could have done of that I could have done without all of that I could have too frankly um and the the weird Sugar Man whole I, that whole thing I could have done without okay let's let's do Weapon X first so I think for me, I think the problem with the the storyline that focused on the human council and the human rebellion, yeah, I think a lot of the issue there was that we didn't get anything from those characters. Like they they weren't really showing us a whole lot of of what they were trying to do or what their plan was. We kind of just kept seeing Logan pop in and out of their meetings. <laughs> Yeah. And then go off on his own to find other people. And like it it just was very haphazardly put together. There was it really felt like there was no reason to care about those people. No. And at the same time they're like, "Oh, the the human council, the human council." But the general story was Apocalypse was the ruler of Earth, especially America. And yeah. like everything was in disrepair. So the fact that there was even a human council that Apocalypse was worried about was weird too. It was like, but you've won. You clearly won. Like these people. Well, and are... then you find out though that Braddock is a double agent and yeah, has been feeding Apocalypse everything the Human Council has been saying and swaying the Human Council to the way Apocalypse wants anyway. So... Yeah. So then, on top of the fact that you never really care about any of these characters, then they try to hit you with like a twist, and you're like, yeah, but I don't care. Exactly. Exactly. You can't make me care about a twist if you never... I was just like, eh, whatever. Eh. And then, of course, it was one of those things where, like, but Logan never trusted him. Or one of them... No, it was Jean Grey, right? Jean didn't trust him to begin with. Yeah. So it's like, the twist is lost if, like, one of your main characters is like, yeah, there's something wrong about him. Yeah. Like, if he was, like, somebody that they truly did fully trust and everyone thought he was going to lead the human side of it and everyone 100% trust him that twist would have been much right. better yeah okay and with um generation next yeah i wanted to care a lot about that too because i like 
I liked the Generation X comics when they were out at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I like characters like Chamber and Skin and their main bad guy who appears in, like, an epilogue of the series, but I forget what his name is now. He's, like, the, the guy with, like, the gas mask on his face and all that uh, weird stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, I'll, lo- I'll try to look up his name when when you start talking again so we don't just forget everything. But, um, yeah, that that was my, like, I wanted to like it, but, again, it was, like, it was a hard-to-follow story. And it focused a lot on just Colossus finding his sister. Mm-hmm. And you had no idea why anyone else cared or would put themselves in that that danger. Well, because it wasn't even explained as to why you needed this kid. Mm-hmm. It was only, like, Colossus thought his sister was dead and now he wants to go save her, which is... Don't get me wrong, anyone would do that. But a lot of those kids when we first introduce get introduced to them are like really selfish and kind of like borderline bad kids. Oh yeah. So it's like why why are they going to follow you? And like what's in it for me? Kitty Pride in this world is kind of a jerk too. <laughs> yeah. So she it, seems like she's just going along with him because that's her husband. Yeah, so like it seems weird that that's they would be like, mm, let's Which just go ahead and, and yeah. Okay, so what else? What else didn't work for you here? Um, kind of what you touched on before with the crystal. Um, how the hell did Gambit get back? I still really like to know. I'd like to know where they appeared from (laughs) or how they emerged unscathed. Yeah, I don't... That was... I think that's the lowest of the low there because how... Well, and then Gambit dies pretty quickly thereafter. Yeah. It's just weird. Like, they, they build up this story. By the way, the villain I was talking about, his name is Mplate or Mplot. I'm not quite sure how it's pronounced. But that's the character I was talking about. E-M-P-L-A-T-E. Marcus St. Croix is his real name. But his X-Man name or X-Villain name is M-Plate. He's kind of like a vampire type mutant. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, I just don't understand. Like, Gambit's on the mission that's... His mission is basically the most important. Because yeah. from the word go, they realize... He needs to steal some some crystal. We're not sure exactly what it is or how it works, but based on some intelligence that Bishop has or one of the characters had, this crystal will help restore the universe. They find the crystal. They, they get the crystal. They get brought into the crystal. Mm-hmm. And then next thing I know, they're in the Morlock, Morlock sewers. So, so how that makes any sense or then on top of that, you're going to still make that crystal be the focal point of how this story can get resolved. But yet no mention of Gambit bringing it or opening access to it for anyone else. Like it just, it just seemed really, really bad, like egregious. Unforgivably bad, even for the '90s. Like I can forgive a couple of a couple like when you're doing a big story arc like this through multiple books, I can forgive a few little lapses. But if it's the main thing that ties your story together, and the main way out of your story, then you better get your shit together. Yeah. And they did not have their stuff together. Okay. Any other low lights you want to talk about before we get to highlights? Those lows were the biggest I could come up with. Okay. What was your lows? Um, I can't say I, I have anything vastly different from yours. Um, other than just overall the writing was poor. Yeah. And again, I, I don't want to keep picking on Scott Lobdell, but this was basically his main... This was basically his. He was the main story architect for it. There were other writers, but... Hmm? It was his baby. Yeah. I mean, there were other writers along the way. Great writers like Mark Ward, Warren Ellis, um, 
a few others whose names escape me now, but like they may they basically handled the like the dialogue and moved the story forward, but he handled the overall plot of this thing. So he's on the hook as far as I'm concerned. Also, people like Warren Ellis and Mark Wade have since redeemed themselves on many, many, many occasions. Yeah. Scott Lobdell recently gave us a terrible new fifty two Teen Titans, so what do I know? So obviously he's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, over I I just a lack of character development. I think really hurt this book. You want to bring us into a new world where we're familiar with character, like traditional characters that everyone has attachment to and familiarity with. You bring us into a world where a lot of that is turned on its head mm-hmm. and characters are different, have different motivations. Some characters are bad that were good. Some characters are good that were bad. Like that's fun. You've, you've, you've hooked me. Now give me some characterization, though. Like, let me see characters that I love in a different world acting slightly different, I think, would would have gone a long way in this book. And I think you saw some of that in the beginning part. Like, especially the like the very first um, X-Men Alpha book and, like, the very early, like, astonishing X-Men and, and amazing X-Men titles they have you saw a lot of development of, oh, hey, remember Gambit and Rogue love each other. They love each other here, too. But now Rogue likes Magneto. Yeah. And you you were getting, like, with Creed, well, like, good. Uh, uh, well, and you also get that with um, Logan and Jean. Logan and Jean at the beginning of the story. They love mm-hmm. each other. Oh, they're, they have this massive connection. And then the second that Jean meets Scott, Ugh. it's like... Oh, but we we have this deep connection. I feel like I've known you. I know everything about... And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you want this to be a separate universe. That's great. Then don't put them back together again. I know. that That's the thing that, like... The thing they did right with, with Gambit and Rogue, they did absolutely wrong with Scott and Jean. Yeah. Where Gambit and Rogue never got back together. And Gambit... I mean, and Rogue... If she didn't... If... if like she was about to kill Gambit after she like realized he didn't save her kid. You know, like she still had feelings for him, but she was it, gonna beat the crap out of him. But it wasn't something that like I just feel this connection. Like, right. and I get Jean has psychic powers, and so everything she does is connected to everything else. But the fact that she came from an and I said last episode I'd talk about it and I never did. I forgot about it. She came from the pens. She came from the pits. She was rescued. One of the people who kept her there was Scott. Yes, he was one of the ones who started saving her before Logan in this, sto- in this story. Scott was saving Jean. Logan came and thought he wasn't, so they had a big battle. And Scott couldn't, like, couldn't say, no, 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 I'm on your side. He had to like maintain appearances. Yeah, but the pits, the pens. At one point, they do it just briefly in one of the early books. They're referred to as the breeding pens. Yeah. Um, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And they never, and they never went there. And I get that this is a time when the comics code was still in effect. And all comics had to be PG pretty much. Mm-hmm. But you just called something a breeding pen. And then basically the biggest payoff with that is, oh, well, we see Sinister and and Beast altering people's DNA. So they're breeding their own stuff. But you basically just implied that there's a Nazi camp level rape section to to you know like it's it's like the nazi camps they had breeding pits too like yeah you well, could this whole the whole series was supposed to have oh it had uh, huge Nazi-ish tendencies and anytime magneto had a chance to mention it he did yeah and i mean m- more power too i mean it's 
you know, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, if, if there's a story that has correlation to it, go ahead and, and say it. Because especially, you know, with comics, that might be the first or only exposure some kids might have to learning about the Holocaust. And it's a very important thing to learn about. But if you Well, because that, like, I mean, along that line, one of the first comics I or one of the first books I read about the Holocaust was a comic book called Mouse. Yeah. That was, I think I was in like third grade. Fourth grade. I don't remember. You read that book? And wow. Jesus. Yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty young to read that book. I, I also read Night. <laughs> Which one? Oh, Night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty young to read that I stuff. My grandma out because I was reading Night and she's like, oh, what's that about? Because it's the same size and shape as a couple of the Raoul Dahl books I used to have. Uh-huh. And so she figured it was just another, because I read all the time. Like we were, I literally would take a giant canvas bag, like a beach tote, mm-hmm. to the library every two weeks and get out as many books as they would let me take out <laughs> and read through them all. I was like Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you were. Yeah. And so it was just what, among one of the books that I was reading at the time. And she didn't think anything of it, and I guess she picked it up to look at it and read the back and was like, oh, my, I guess I should read this. And so she's reading it, and she, like, came in my room and was like, "What? who told you to read this? And it's like, I don't know. It was there. I picked it up. And I decided to read it, and it's sad that this is – because, I mean, in kid logic, you know, you're – you can't believe that kind of stuff really happened. Mm -hmm. One of those – eyewitness account type things and it was my grandma was just i think both horrified and impressed that i was taking it as well as i did yeah for those of you who have not read the book night you should it's a fantastic book Absolutely. Um, uh, but it's a first-hand account of uh concentration camp mm-hmm. but anyway well, now that's on completely off topic no it's fine <laughs> it's not really off topic it's that was our age of apocalypse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they mentioned this, this horrific idea and this, like for anyone who's familiar with concentration camps mm-hmm. would know like what that really means. Yeah. And for you to just use it as a throwaway line was just discuss- And then like, and then the fact that that's what Gene escaped from, yeah. And then she's just like, oh, Scott, I feel like we have this connection. No, Scott may have tried to save you, but he sure as hell didn't stop whatever torture happened to you, happened to you. You know, like. And for them to insinuate that that's where that's where she was saved from and that she has absolutely no psychological issues from that. I know. It's a like, little it's a little bit like a man named Scott loved. No, it's a little bit like. <laughs> Again, and this isn't just on Scott Laudel. I looked every time I I opened one of these comics. I looked at who was writing or drawing, and to no one's surprise, in 1995, they were all men. Yeah. So, it. I mean, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to say men can't do something because you should be able to write about the human experience, regardless of gender. But. You should be able to have empathy. Empathy, exactly. So the fact that they were able to, all they cared about in this story was, yeah, but how can we work in, you know, Scott being so handsome that Gene still loves him? Like, that was a little disappointing. All right. So those were our lowlights. Angel, let's end on a positive note then. What were some highlights of the Age of Apocalypse series for you? Um, one of the biggest highlights for me, again, I, one, I think part of it was going at it from seeing it through my husband, Chris's eyes was I really liked the Creed and Blink storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to see two characters of the opposite sex who were not being thrown together in a relationship, like a, a romantic relationship. Um, that genuinely cared and respected one another. Mm-hmm. Which, again, this was the 90s. That didn't happen a whole lot. I know. The, the fact that there was no... 
there is no like attempt to make it a romantic relationship was very impressive. Very impressive. And um, I, I really, again, and it's one of those things, it's hard to like a whole lot about the plot, but I really liked the art in a lot of it. The art was very good in, in a lot. Of, and then the art was also very bad in a lot of it. But yes. for a lot of the stories, the art was of, really cool. A lot of Gambit storylines tended mm-hmm. to uh, fall by the wayside with art. Yeah. Uh, but overall, but I think character design was really good. Like Character design was fantastic. They were drawn I really cool. like the design of Beast better as a bad guy than as <laughs> good guy. Yeah. Like, I liked that they had him walking like a human and mm-hmm. not galloping like yeah. they do so much. Yeah, he the- looked pretty cool. I liked Cyclops' look a lot, too, with his yeah. just one eye thing. That was pretty cool. And his gorgeous Thanks. long hair. Yeah. Jean, yeah, Jean's little face tattoo thing. I did appreciate that. Though I'm terrified to know what it signifies. It was pretty cool looking. Yeah, especially after they mentioned the breeding test. Yeah, God only knows what it really means, but it was kind of a cool look. Um, um, what else? I'm what else? Draws now, I'm sorry. <laughs> the art was my favorite. The surely. Yeah, was- I think the overall concept was cool. Yes. Like the fact that there was an alternate universe where Apocalypse finally won and you get yes. to see what a world in which Apocalypse is in charge would look like, I thought was was really cool. I thought it was really cool that characters didn't just stick with who they were in the other universe. Yeah. You know, like that they, they were different based on the different lives they had grown up in. I thought that was interesting. I really like the idea because you don't really see this much where there's a alternate storyline happening, a a crossover event happening, and they cease publishing all of the other books. And yeah. this is the only your only world right now. Like You don't really get that a whole lot, if yeah. ever. A lot of times if there's a crossover event, yeah, that's the big thing happening. But sometimes like. A lot of it's like, okay, well, you still have these other books, and the the main the thing happening in the universe will touch on this, but eh, it's just mo- mainly a different story. The fact that they were like, no, there are no mo- there are no X Men books now. These G- these are the X Men books you you can have, and have fun. Exactly. So I thought that was I thought that was cool. I thought you know, kind of brave too, like. Because if no one likes it, if no one likes that story, or some people don't like that story, you're basically saying, "Well, there are no other avenues for X Men revenue." Yeah. So uh, that was kind of interesting, an interesting way to go. Overall, I think it's it's worthwhile if you're an X Men fan or an X Men fan, I should say. Um, it's it's worth reading. I would definitely recommend reading it from your library. I would not recommend individuals to buy this themselves. I would recommend libraries to buy this so that you can have a, a good representation of X-Men history. Oh, there is a second omnibus in print now. Okay, so there's a new omnibus in print. Updated, so An updated omnibus. So if you are in collection development, you might want to look into that. There's also been some follow-up series, and I was thinking about reading in the X-Men... In the app, in the Marvel Unlimited app, there's a follow-up called Return to Age of Apocalypse that's just called X-Men Age of Apocalypse. It was published in 2005. The um, the creators here, writer Akira Yoshida. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see here. Who's the artist? Uh, Chris, Chris Bacciolo. Who is an awesome artist. I love, especially when he does X-Men. I love his X-Men stuff. So I I think I might check this one out. Just to see what happens now. Like why they go back. Is it just a retelling of the same story? Or is, do we just go back to the universe as though nothing ever changed? I'd be interested to read that. So I'll check it out. It's only six issues. I think I can handle that. So I'll check it out and then maybe later on I'll... I'll say something on the podcast about it whenever I get around to it. But speaking of the podcast, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, 
we would like you to do that. So you can find us on Twitter at Assemble Podcast. If you want to send us any emails telling us where we went wrong or why can't we think of anyone's names or if you want to tell us those people's names, you can email the show, librariansassemble at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at librariansassemble.com. Also, very important, please rate, review, and subscribe. iTunes is the way, the preferred way to go. Um, if you don't have iTunes, you can find us everywhere. So if you're using another platform, go ahead and leave us a review there as well. I am moving soon, so I am cleaning house. And I have a lot of stuff I don't want anymore. A lot of comics-related stuff I don't want anymore. So if you leave us a review, I will send you goodies. So, so leave a review. If you have left a review already and I didn't see it, please feel free to email us or tweet me and I will go look at it. But if you leave us a, a review, I will read it on the show and I will contact you or you can contact us after I read the review if I can't find your info based on your review. And I will mail you out some goodies. I got graphic novels I don't need anymore. I got silly little toys laying around. I got all kinds of nonsense I don't need in my house anymore. But maybe you need it in your house. So leave a review and I will bribe you. So that's how that's also, that's how this is going now. Also, I think people should send uh, the podcast a tweet congratulating josh on his promotion which he starts tomorrow oh that is true i speaking of collection development i am starting a new job i recently got a promotion within my system i'm pretty excited i am going to be doing collection development now i'm leaving the world of customer service behind which is kind of terrifying that's all i really know um but i'm excited most of my work will be done with audio visual collections and e-collections digital digital stuff so i'm sure the podcast will feature a lot of discussions on digital collections soon so look forward to that but oh thank you angel i appreciate that or so that is it any any final remarks angel anything you'd like to say we have our one year anniversary coming up soon angel and i are going to do a special episode for that soon so keep an keep an ear out for that July 11th will be our official one-year anniversary of Librarians Assemble. Thank you to everyone who has listened, participated, tweeted, followed. The few of you who have left reviews, thank you to you. (laughs) More of you need to join suits. All right, I know I just interrupted you. Anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here? Um, I mean, honestly, I would like, uh, as a, a final note on Apocalypse, read it with an open mind. Like, don't don't always just listen to us and our low light. No, you might no, you might like it. I mean, I'm I'm critical because I've also read so many fantastic storylines that it's hard to excuse some of the '90s debauchery. And and you know, just because we think it's weird or we found plot holes doesn't mean you will. Yeah, everyone is different. There are plenty of graphic novels that I've read that other people don't like. There. are classic graphic novels that I've read that everyone likes that I don't uh, just to throw myself under the bus here uh, Watchmen I wasn't a huge fan of the Watchmen graphic novel really but that's a classic that everyone loves I I don't think it's all that great but what are you going to do everyone's different everyone has their own taste in comics and in books and in life so just because we didn't like it if you liked it if you read it please know we're not making fun of you for liking it no. And I would love it if you would tweet us or email us and tell us why you like yeah, it. Yeah, so absolutely. Get it Thank you. Let us know what it is you liked about it, and maybe we'll agree with you. I mean, there are a lot of things we did like about it. Yeah. So just keep that in mind whenever, especially with this podcast. I can't speak for other reviewers or podcasts out there, but if we talk about something we don't like, even if we speak harshly of it, I, and I'm sure Angel feels the same way, mean you no disrespect. If you like it, I'm glad that you like it. Love what you love. Do what you want to do. Read what you want to read. I'm happy as a librarian that you are reading. So I do not care. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean you have to not like it. Reading is... I'm one of those weird people. I will tell you. Read what you want to read as long as you are reading. Exactly. Makes me happy. All right. So that seems like a great way to end it. Read. Read what you want to read as long as you're reading. 
Yeah. All right. Until next time, everyone. Have a good one. <laughs>